once again, welcome to Living Hope Church. Um, if you have children that are kindergarten to third grade and they're going down to children's church today, uh, they can dismiss right now out the back uh, with Miss Melody. Uh, for those of you that are staying that are younger, if you want activities, there's activities on that back table that they can, your children can use throughout the sermon. There's also uh, sermon notes designed for your children that they can use um, throughout the sermon as well. Uh, well, we are so glad that you are here uh, this Easter morning. Uh, throughout church history, there's been a tradition as Christians gather across the world uh, and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the tradition is quite simple, but it involves one person saying he is risen and the rest of the group responding with he is risen indeed. So if you'll join me, he is risen. He is risen. Good. All right. Well, today. We gather to celebrate the resurrection and the incredible implications of the resurrection in our lives. The resurrection says that the grave could not hold Jesus. Death didn't have victory over him. And in him in is his life and his victory is available to any and all that will follow after him. A risen Savior and empty tomb changed the world and it still changes our lives today. Today we're going to spend our time looking at the resurrection and what it means for those of us that are followers of Jesus and what it offers to any and all that will follow after him. The resurrection Easter morning is the most important event in our faith, and we believe it is the most important event in the history of our world. The resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith, and its ramifications, its hope is offered to all. But it takes faith, it takes surrender, it takes belief to experience the victory in life we see in the resurrection. But before we can get to Sunday morning, before we can get to the resurrection, we have to pause for a second and rewind to Friday, where Jesus gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world. Jesus lived his life. We read in that book, he headed to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that week, knowing his time had come and that he would soon give his life for the sins of the world. You see, Jesus' death was not due to a series of unfortunate events, but Jesus' death was God's will for his life, and it was him willingly and knowingly laying down his life for you and me. Jesus' death showcases his incredible love for you and I, love that would live and lay down his life for sinners like you and me. Jesus died the death my sin deserved. He suffered the wrath my sin deserved. He, he, he took the consequences my sin deserved because he so loves me and he so loves you. His sacrifice paves the way for the resurrection and for our hope. Jesus came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He did everything he was called to do. But on that Friday, he is killed on a criminal's cross for the sins of the world. But not only is he killed just for like the generic sins of the world, but he's killed for your sins and my sins. My sin and your sin, the sins of the world, put Jesus in the grave. He died not of natural causes because his time was done, but he died with a purpose to pay the wage, the price, the death that our sin deserves. You see, the Bible tells us that we have all, everyone has sinned, and sin means to do something that goes against God's perfection. And the Bible says the wage or the price for that sin is death and separation from God. And the Bible said there is no way for us to earn our way back to God. There is no way for us to do enough good things to outweigh the bad. The Bible says we are utterly hopeless on our own to get to heaven and to have a relationship with God. That's where the good news comes in. That's where Jesus comes in. The Bible tells us that God sent Jesus to live the sinless life we could not live and then to take on the death that we deserved so that if we believe in him, we will be forgiven through his death and inherit eternal life. 
Romans 5a, one of the most amazing verses in the Bible says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for us. Christ willingly went to the cross to die for your sins, to pay the penalty that, you're, that you deserve so that you could be forgiven through his sacrifice. Jesus goes to the cross while we were hopeless. He gives his life on our behalf. He takes the punishment we deserve, and through his death and the resurrection that would come, he offers life to any and all that will follow after him. But Jesus' death alone without a resurrection isn't a hope-filled event. Now, we have the benefit of 2,000 years of history. We have the, the gospel accounts. We have a, a pile of historical evidence that tells us that the resurrection is coming. But the disciples and the rest of the people at the cross that Friday night had no idea Sunday was coming. Yes, Jesus had told them he would rise again over death, but they didn't understand. We're going to see it in the gospel account we're going to read. But the women, they head to the tomb not to check for a living Jesus, but they head to the tomb to honor him and to anoint his body for burial. They go to mourn the death of the one they loved. So for those that love Jesus, his death on Friday night was a day of incredible sadness. It was a day of hopelessness and fear. His death led them to mourn. It led them to flee the city. It led them to hide behind locked doors as they, as they uh, processed the events that had unfolded and feared for their lives. Jesus' death without a resurrection is a day of defeat, hopelessness, fear, and questioning for his followers. But Sunday comes, the resurrection comes, and it changes everything for them, and it changes everything for us. So if you join me, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 24, and we are going to read the account, Luke's account of the resurrection. So we're in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Luke writes, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how, you told, how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we get to gather and celebrate this Easter Sunday. We thank you that you are indeed alive, that you have been resurrected, and in that you offer life to any and all that will follow after you. So God, I pray that you would just lift our hearts as we celebrate, that you would open our eyes to your truth, God, and that you would just reveal yourself to us this morning. God, we love you, and we praise you, and we celebrate that you are alive. In your name we pray. Amen. So we said it earlier, but on, on, on Good Friday, right after Jesus' death, he was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Because it was nearly sundown before the Sabbath, he was hastily buried in the tomb. On that Saturday, the Sabbath, Jesus' followers, his disciples, these women that we just met, 
they rested in obedience with the commandment. Meanwhile, the Roman Empire, at the urging of the Jewish officials, guarded the tomb with soldiers to prevent anything from happening to the body. And so we picked up in verse 1, it's now Sunday morning, and Luke tells us that it's very early in the morning. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others went to the tomb with spices so they could properly prepare Jesus' body for burial in accordance with their customs. Note the details Luke gives us here. He says, these ladies get up very early in the morning because they have a responsibility that they deem greater than their desire to sleep. I think we've all had those mornings where responsibility trumps our desire to sleep. Those mornings when the alarm clock goes off at an ungodly hour and you just roll yourself out of bed, you make some coffee and you drag yourself out the front door. One of those times here in Green River is when you or someone visiting has that that evil 5.40 a.m. flight out of Rock Springs. That flight that should be outlawed, but you drag yourself there because you have a responsibility. Now, we don't know if it was quite that early in the morning, but these ladies head to the tomb in honor to, to honor and pay respect to this man that they loved. They go there not expecting Jesus to be resurrected, but they go there to prepare his body for the dead, for the tomb. This is the same thing we do, right? When someone we loved, someone we cared for, someone we respected dies, we drop everything to go and honor them at their funeral or their celebration of life. And that's what these ladies do. They go to the tomb to honor Jesus. Out of love and respect, they wake up early that morning to anoint his body for the grave. These ladies went to the tomb with no expectation of the resurrection. They went to the tomb fully expecting to find Jesus buried and dead. But look at verse 2 and 3. Luke says, when they got there, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They went looking to find a buried body amongst the dead, but when they arrived, they found the stone rolled away, and his body was not in the grave. They went looking for Jesus amongst the dead, and he was not there. The tomb had been sealed. The, The stone was too large to be rolled away by any group of men. The tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers. His body was buried, but when they arrived, the stone was rolled away, and he was not there. They were looking for Jesus among the dead, and they did not find him. And so our first question or our first point today is this. Where are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for him among the living or the dead? You see, there are still many today that are looking for Jesus among the dead. There are many that look for Jesus uh, merely in the annals of history books and as a figure of the past. There are many that look for Jesus in the emptiness of buildings and religiosity, but he is not there. There are many that read the words of the Bible but do not believe in the resurrection and they miss him. There are many that still today search for a tomb, for bones, for evidence of his body, but he is not there. There are many that merely search for Jesus in nature, in art, in activity, in self-fulfillment, but he is so much greater. Jesus is not among the dead. He is not in the tomb because he is not there. He is alive. Look at the angel's words. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not there, for he has risen. So this morning, where are you looking for Jesus? Is it amongst the dead, or are you looking for an almighty, all-powerful, loving, grace-filled, and living Jesus sitting at the right hand of God Almighty? Easter Sunday, the resurrection declares to us, he is not among the dead, but he is alive with victory over death in his hands. So where are you searching for Jesus? Where are you searching for purpose and for life? Frank Morrison was a man who went looking for Jesus amongst the dead. 
Morrison was a British journalist who lived in the early 19th century. He wasn't a Christian, and, and although he admired the person of Jesus, he was a skeptic who felt that these stories about Jesus were nothing more than a myth or a legend, especially the story of the resurrection. So Morrison got an idea. Why not prove that the resurrection never happened? Why not use his own research skills as a journalist to dig into history and prove that Jesus never rose from the dead? He would do his research, and then he would write a book presenting the, the historical facts about Jesus and the events surrounding his death. And so Frank Morrison went looking for Jesus among the dead. And you know what? He never found him. What he did find is exactly what Luke says in our passage this morning. He found the stone rolled away, but he did not find the body of Jesus. Instead, he found the risen Christ, and he put his faith in him as Lord and Savior. Moses, uh, Morrison wrote up his research in a book called Who Moved the Stone? I love the title of the first chapter. The first chapter is called The Book, the Book That Refused to Be Written. Here's what he wrote in the preface. Morrison said, This study is in some ways so unusual and provocative that the writer thinks it desirable to state here very briefly how this book came to take place. In one sense, it could have taken no other, for it is essentially a confession, the inner story of a man who ordinarily set out to write one kind of book and found himself compelled by the sheer force of circumstances to write quite another. It is not that the facts themselves altered, for they are recorded imperishably in the monuments and in the pages of human history. But the interpretation to be put upon the facts underwent a change. Somehow the perspective shifted, not suddenly as in a flash or insight or inspiration, but slowly, almost imperceptibly, by the very stubbornness of the facts themselves. Frank Morrison set out to write a book disproving the resurrection of Christ, but instead he ended up writing what became a Christian classic presenting the evidence for the resurrection. A more modern-day example would be Lee Strobel. He's an American journalist from the 20th century. He had a similar experience. His wife began going to church, and it changed her, and it changed their marriage. And so he sought to put his esteemed education and journalistic skills to work to disprove the resurrection and this Jesus myth once and for all. He wanted his wife and his marriage back to the way it was before she met Jesus. And so he spent two years traveling, interviewing, and poring over the documents. And what he found was not a dead man. But instead, he found a living, resurrected Jesus, and he surrendered his life to follow him. Morrison and Strobel went looking for Jesus among the dead, but they did not find him there. And you will not find him there either. If you want to find Jesus this morning, you can't go looking amongst the dead. You must go looking among the living. And that brings us to the good news of Easter. And so our next point is simply this. The resurrection is the greatest news. The resurrection is great news because it means Jesus is alive. It means he has conquered death. It means he has power over death. And it means he, his offer of eternal life can be real in our lives as well. The resurrection is an invitation to life to any and all that will follow after him. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood be beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. Think about these poor ladies. They are having a day. Right? They, they go there to prepare the body of the one they believe was their Lord, their Savior, the promised Messiah. They go to, to bury him, to prepare his body for death. Then they arrive, and the stone's been rolled away, and Jesus' body is gone. I can't even imagine what they would be thinking at that moment. 
They don't seem to be remembering his words in which he told them he would rise victorious over death. And so their minds are just spinning. And then in the midst of that, an angel appears. Their clothes shining like lightning. These were messengers sent from God with their clothing still burning bright with the glory of heaven. What a morning these poor ladies are having. Now, I don't know about you, but I think angels, and I think of like my great-grandma's house. And she had those little precious moment figurines that she would collect, and they were all over her house. They were cute and kind of creepy in their own way, but they were these baby-looking things with wings, and their faces shimmered and glowed like a, the cheeks of a newborn. But that's not how the Bible describes angels. The Bible describes angels as, as warriors, as glowing like lightning. And the response to angels every time in the Bible is for people to fall on their face in fear. So this is not initially a faith-building moment for these ladies, but it's a moment of fear and terror. Angels are majestic and glorious beings, and before them we fall down. But these angels, like they so often do in the Bible, bring great news. The men say to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. Jesus had told his followers what was going to happen. He told them he would suffer. He told them he would die. And he told them he would rise victorious over death. This news shouldn't have been a surprise. But they didn't understand. They, they missed it. They were so caught up in what they could see and what they had experienced that they had forgot or thought that Jesus' words were an impossibility. But as Jesus said in Matthew 19, with man the resurrection is impossible, with God all things are possible. And it's that same truth, that same hope that he speaks over our lives and over our future. With man, salvation, eternal life is impossible. But the resurrection proves that with God it is absolutely possible. And that is the hope, the good news of Easter, the message of Jesus. With Jesus, eternal life, forgiveness of sins, grace, and hope are possible for your life and my life. Jesus has conquered sin and death in the grave. He rose from the dead on Easter morning. He is alive and well today. You will not find him among the dead, for he is among the living. And he offers new life to you. The Bible tells us that those who trust in Jesus will share in his resurrection. They will share in his life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And our salvation, our future, our eternity is not dependent on us and our behavior, but it's dependent on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. This is the amazing thing. Jesus doesn't just offer forgiveness and life to the select, to the elite, to the special, but he offers eternal life to any and all that will follow after him. Think about this. His own disciples, these Women at the grave, those closest to him, they didn't believe his words. They doubted him after his death. They were skeptical of the resurrection, and they were incredibly confused. And yet, despite their doubt, when they turned to Jesus, he offered them life and forgiveness. I think that's great news for us today. The Bible says we are all sinners in need of rescue. That's, that's who we are. And Jesus is the only one that can save. But I think we, like these early followers, we all have our doubts we all have our concerns. We all have our questions and our confusion. But Jesus doesn't turn us away in the midst of that, but he calls us to come and see for ourselves. The resurrection, as we saw with Morris and his trouble, turns doubters and skeptics into forgiven followers and saints. And so if you're here today and you're not sure about Jesus, you're not so sure about this resurrection, then the call to you is to come and see, come and investigate.
Jesus isn't asking for blind faith, but our God is a God of truth. Jesus' historicity is, is unmatched. The resurrection is real. So come and see and know that Jesus is who he said he was. In John chapter 20, there's one disciple who had not yet seen the resurrected Jesus. His name was Thomas. And Thomas said to the other disciples that had seen him, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You think the Bible says Jesus disowned him for his doubt? No. And said Jesus went to him and he revealed himself to him. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with, with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. But friends, if you are here and you like Thomas, you like these earlier fo early followers have questions and doubts about Jesus, that's all right. But don't just ignore Jesus and your questions. Come and see for yourself. Ask your questions, do your investigation, read the Bible, find out for yourself who Jesus is. And I pray that as you do, he will reveal himself to you and you will find your hope, your future, your life and your eternity in him. Easter, the resurrection is great news. Jesus offers life, forgiveness of sins, grace and purpose to any and all that will follow after him. So what will be your response? Let's look quickly at this passage and see three responses in this passage, and then we'll wrap up. The first response we have is the women at the tomb. These women came to the tomb that early morning expecting to prepare their friend and leader's body for the grave. But when they arrived, as we've seen, they encountered angels, and they heard great news that their Savior was alive. And I'm sure they were still confused. I'm sure they still had questions, but they believed and they shared the good news. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. So our first response to the news of the resurrection is that of the women. We can believe and we can share the good news. We can believe and share the good news. This would be the response of those of us here that consider ourselves Christians. We say we believe, and the next response is to share the good news. The women came back from the tomb, and they told all these things to the apostles and to everyone there with them. Now, I'm sure they were still frightened. I'm sure they were still a little confused. They certainly did not understand all that had happened, but there was one thing they could do. They could share what they knew. They could share that Jesus' body was no longer in the grave. They could share that the angels said he was risen from the dead. The women believed, and they shared their faith with others. So are you here today and you are a believer in Jesus' resurrection this morning? Do you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? The Bible says if that's you, then you are, uh, that you are saved, you are forgiven. If so, then your call, your command from the Bible to share your faith with others, just like the women at the tomb did. Jesus died, but he rose again from the dead. He is alive forevermore. He is risen, and that is good news. And good news is for sharing. Don't keep the good news of Easter to yourself. Don't keep the good news of Jesus, of salvation, of forgiveness of sins to yourself. But share that good news with others. Jesus is the hope of your neighbors, your family, your community, your coworkers, your teammates. Jesus is the hope of the nations, and he is the hope of every man, woman, and child on this earth. Share the good news. 
You can do that simply over coffee. You can do that at the water cooler. You can do that while watching the ball game. You can do that by simply sharing a sermon or a video of the gospel message. Share with everyone you know the incredibly good news that God sent his son to die for sinners. That Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. There's no better way to respond to the good news of Easter than to believe and to share. So that's the first way we can respond. We can believe and share the good news. The second response we see is that of the disciples who heard from the women. Verse 11, the disciples, they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. So the disciples' response to the news was to dismiss it and do nothing about it. So our second response to the resurrection is to discount and dismiss and do nothing about it. Now, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm up here preaching, so I am biased. But I believe this is the worst possible response. Because not only do they not have faith and just believe, but they discount the story because it doesn't make sense to them. And initially, they do nothing about it. They don't ask questions. They don't investigate. They don't go and see. But they dismiss the news and they go on with their day. Now, we read later on in the New Testament, and we, we see that, that they change their minds as they experience new evidence. Primarily, they meet the resurrected Jesus. But for many today, this is our response. Jesus doesn't make sense. The resurrection seems improbable from what we know. And so we dismiss it altogether and we do nothing with Jesus. Is that you today? Does, the, the, does Jesus, does the resurrection, does the Easter story just seem like too much to believe? Does it seem too improbable to be true? If so, there's good reason for that because the resurrection is improbable. People don't just come back to life from the dead. That's not normal. But Jesus was not a normal person. Jesus was God incarnate. He was God in flesh who came to give his life on your behalf and to die the death you deserve. And he is the one person who has power over death. So if that's you, my plea to you is not to just dismiss Jesus, to, to not just dismiss the resurrection, but to investigate and discover who Jesus is for yourself. It may sound like nonsense to you, but what if it's true? What if there is a God that so loves you that he gave his life for you? What if the resurrection did happen and Jesus offers you victory over the grave and eternal life with him? What if heaven is real and you through Jesus have the opportunity to spend eternity with him? What if it is true and there is forgiveness available to you? Forgiveness for even your greatest and, and most embarrassing sins. What if it is true and in Jesus, there is not only forgiveness, but there is freedom from the guilt and shame of your past failures. What if Jesus is really who he said he was and he did rise victorious over the grave? What if it is true and you can find eternal forgiveness and purpose in Jesus? The Bible tells us it is true. These same disciples would give their lives to spread the message because they believed it was true. These same disciples that saw the resurrected Jesus would be tortured and executed because they were so convinced it was true. People don't give up their lives for a lie, but they will lay down their life for their Savior and for the truth. So if you have dismissed Jesus because it just seems like too much to believe, would you consider and just check it out for yourself? And that leads to our final response, and it's in the life of Peter. Look at verse 12. It reads, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. 
Peter heard the news and he had to go and see, to go and investigate the news for himself. So that's our last response. You may be unsure, but you're going to go and investigate for yourself. And that's my plea. If you're not sure, like Peter, my plea to you is to go and do what he did. Go and investigate for yourself. One of the things I love is in every account of the resurrection, the tomb is empty and the stone is rolled away. But what I love about that detail is that the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could walk out. We saw it earlier, but the resurrected Jesus wasn't bound by the physical. He could walk through walls, and he surely could have walked past the stone. But the stone is rolled away so that you and I can see him, so that you and I can investigate for ourselves. The resurrection, the rolled away stone, is an invitation to you and I to come and see, to come and investigate for ourselves. You see, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the resurrection, the, the beauty of Christianity is that it's not built upon a myth, but instead it is built upon truth, and it invites you to come and see, to come and investigate for yourself. For 2,000 plus years, people have been trying to disprove Jesus and the resurrection, and the truth has stood the test of time. So if you don't believe, that's all right, but the invitation, the challenge to you is to come and see, come and investigate for yourself. Dr. Thomas Arnold is a professor of modern history at Oxford University, and he's the author of a widely acclaimed three-volume history on Rome. He said, The evidence for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has been shown to be satisfactory according to the standards of any historian. It holds up according to the common rules for distinguishing good evidence from bad. Tens of thousands of persons have gone through it piece by piece as carefully as any judge reviewing the most important case. He says, I have myself done this many times over, not to persuade others, but to satisfy myself. Throughout my life, I have made a career of studying the histories of times and events, examining and weighing the evidence for what was written about each of them. He says, I know of no other one fact in history which is proved by better and fuller evidence than this one. Jesus Christ died and he rose again from the dead. Lee Strobel, who we mentioned earlier, said of the resurrection, I used to consider the resurrection to be a laughable fairy tale. After all, Yale Law School had trained me to be a coldly, ra coldly rational, and my years of investigating for the news of the Chicago Tribune had only toughened my naturally cynical personality. But intrigued by the changes in my life after she became a Christian, I spent newly nearly two years systematically using my journalistic and legal experience to study the evidence for the resurrection and the credibility of Jesus' claim to be God. And I emerged totally convinced and gave my life to Jesus. So if you don't believe in the resurrection, will you investigate it for yourself? Don't laugh it off and put it off for another day, but begin the process of discovering who Jesus is and whether the resurrection is true for yourself. Because if it is true, it has eternal implications. No, unfortunately, we like Peter, we can't just go and see the empty tomb, but we can, we can investigate. You could begin by reading the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for yourself and discovering what the Bible says about Jesus. You could read Morrison's book, Who Moved the Stone, or Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter, or Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ, or Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. On that back table by the box uh, in the back, I've got ten copies of The Case for Christ. They're for you. Grab one and read it for yourself. There's three different versions back there. There's the original version. There's a version designed for uh, adults, and, or not adults, youth and students. And there's a version designed for older elementary kids. 
Strobel writes the original version like a journalistic research paper, so it is heavy and it is detailed, but these other versions have been designed to make the truth more accessible to different age groups. So please grab one. They are yours to take. If you're not a reader, that's okay, but get the audible version of one of these books and discover and investigate Jesus for yourself. Or if you don't trust a book, then do the research for yourself or come and talk with me or a friend that you trust and that is willing to walk alongside you and research with you. If you're confused, if you have questions, if you're a skeptic, that's all right. But be like Peter and investigate and discover who Jesus is. So as we wrap up, what is your response to the good news of the resurrection? Are you a believer? Do you believe? And do you share that good news? Maybe you're here and you're someone who is a skeptic and you have dismissed it as nonsense. Or maybe you're here and you're unsure, but you are willing and ready to investigate and consider Jesus for yourself. Just a second, Emily's going to come and she's just going to play for us. And when she plays, we're just going to take a few moments just to bow our heads um, and to pray and just reflect on what Je- who Jesus is and on the resurrection. To pause and consider the truth that God so loved you. He so loved I that he sent Jesus to die for our sins while we were still sinners. And Jesus didn't just die the death we deserve, but he rose victorious over death. And he offers life abundant if you will turn and follow him. This morning, the resurrection is great news. And so if you're here and you don't believe in the resurrection, will you investigate it for yourself? Will you not laugh it off and put it off for another day, but would you begin the process of discovering who Jesus is? Or maybe you're here today and for the first time you believe that Jesus is who he said he was. You believe that the resurrection is indeed true and that it is great news for your life. We talked about it at the beginning, but sin separates us from God in eternity with him. And your sin and my sin deserves the consequence of death, but Jesus took that consequence and he paid the price for our sin. He died despite living a sinless life. But as we talked about, he didn't stay in the grave, but he rose victorious over death. And the Bible is clear that if you believe that to be true, if you repent from your sin and you turn and follow after him, that he will forgive you and he promises you an eternity in heaven with him and a joy and purpose here in this life. So if that's you, will you surrender your life and follow him today? You can do that quite simply in your seat by praying. And as you pray, just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I want to turn from my sin. I want to follow after you. I believe you lived the life I couldn't get, live and you died the death I deserved and I believe you rose victorious over death. Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to inherit your life and your forgiveness. I'll say that you do that with a surrendered heart, you will be saved. Or if you'd like to talk with me or someone else that you know as a follower of Jesus, it would be our honor to answer your questions and walk alongside you in that decision. But if you're ready, would you turn and follow him today? And if you do, would you tell someone so we can celebrate with you. And then lastly, you might be here and you are a follower of Jesus. If that's you, is the resurrection your joy? Is it your light? Is it your victory? Is it your hope? Is it the purpose of your life? The answer is yes. Would you celebrate the resurrection as Emily plays? The answer is no. Would you just examine your heart and ask God to reveal those areas that have distracted you from your hope and life in him? Asking God to help you live daily, remembering your new life, your forgiveness, and your purpose. So as we pray, what did you just, as Emily plays, would you just bow your head and pray? I'm going to close us. She's going to play, and then just bow your head and pray and ask God to reveal himself.
God, we are so grateful for the resurrection. God, we are so grateful that in you is life and life abundant. We are so grateful that while we were still sinners, while we were running the wrong way, you sent Jesus to come and to live the sinless life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserved, and then to rise victorious over death three days later. God, we celebrate that. God, I pray for those here today that are followers of you. God, I pray that you would that you would make the resurrection, that you would make Jesus our joy, our strength, our cornerstone of our lives. God, and I pray that we would share that good news with everyone we meet. And God, I pray that if there's people here that don't yet know you, God, I pray that you would give them the courage to not just dismiss Jesus, but to investigate and find out who he is. God, and I pray that as they do that, that you would reveal your truth, in your grace, in your life, in their life. God, I pray that you would open their eyes and give them the courage to turn and trust you. God, I pray if there's someone here today that hasn't trusted you and they're ready today, Lord, I pray they would turn and they would follow you and they would experience your life and forgiveness and their grace in their life today. What an amazing memory, Easter 2022, the day I gave my life to follow Jesus. So God, I pray that as we bow our heads and we reflect that you would reveal yourself to us. God, we thank you for your love and your grace and the forgiveness you offer in our lives. May that be our rock as we move forward. May that be our joy and our light. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you are true and that you can be known. And God, I pray that we would turn our eyes to you. And Lord, I pray for us that are followers, that as we turn our eyes to you, the things of this earth would grow strangely dim. And God, I pray for, for us, Lord, as we leave this building, Lord, that we would continue to pursue you. Lord, if we don't yet know you, that we would search for you, Lord, and we pray that you would reveal yourself. God, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that it is true, uh, Lord, and we thank you that our hope can be found in it. God, I pray that as we go, we would go celebrating who you are. God, and we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you once again for joining us uh, this Easter morning. Um, if you are, are new to Living Hope Church, we're so glad you joined us this morning. Uh, there should be a welcome card somewhere in the area of you. If you wouldn't mind filling that out, and then there's a, 